We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Acts chapter 3, a story we're very familiar with. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. You notice there's a... Peter and John went together. He saw them together. And when he made mention to them he needed something, they said, Look on us. You notice there's a togetherness here with Peter and John. Peter didn't say, look, I, you know, I'm the Pope. I'm the first one. He didn't say that. I was the first one that preached at Pentecost, so look on me. And John's the second. He didn't do that. That's, that's, not, that's not what happened. It's important that we realize we're in this together. It's important to realize that we should be together. And so, verse 4, Peter, fastening his eyes upon uh, him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And, you know, that's a good thing, and that's something that we don't give people outside of the church credit for, expecting to receive something that we have. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by thy right hand and lifted him, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them in the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms. You know, this guy must have hit on everybody. Everybody that came to the temple, he must have hit on them for alms because they all knew that it was the same guy that sat at the gate uh, of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And so let's, let's talk about uh, one of the things that I want to really emphasize in this lesson is the fact that we have something to offer. We have something to offer. Quite often today, people don't approach other people about God because they don't feel like they have something to offer. They, they see other people with needs. They don't feel like, you ever seen someone with a need and you just didn't help them because you didn't have what you thought what they needed? Because this guy needed some money. He needed some help. He needed some bread. He needed, you know, he had several needs here. And so we notice that Peter and John realized that he had a need. Well, they didn't have the money, they didn't have the bread, they didn't have all the, but they did have something he needed. And quite often, we don't approach people that way. You know, that's a reason a lot of people don't, what we used to call, we, we, we call it evangelism now, but, but what we used to call witnessing. You remember when we were younger, that's what you called it. When you talked to someone about the Lord, you were witnessing. So let me ask you this question first. What... Uh, part of witnessing did Peter and John do here? They ask, yeah. You know, <clears throat> one of the biggest problems we had as witnesses was finding somebody we thought needed Jesus, and we never asked them a thing. <laughs> we let them have it. We let them have it both barrels. Then we reloaded while they were backing up and let them have it again. You know, a big part of evangelizing and a big part of meeting people's needs is just asking a question. It's just asking a question. And so 
you know, when we look at Peter and John, what part, we've read it, so let's, let's, at what point in time did they even mention Jesus to this man? At what point in time do we see in this story, do they even mention Jesus to this? After they had a conversation. Conversation. You ever got into a conversation with somebody and the conversation went off on another? Generally, that I, listen, I've listened to some of y'all's conversations this morning. And it was not a repetitive one, the same conversation. You went from one thing to another to another to another. You know that's natural? Because people in general like conversation. It's natural. And so that's what Peter and John did. They just they chose to have a conversation with this guy. Do you think they already knew what he needed? Sure they did. Not because he was laying at the gate and not because they hadn't seen him before. But they knew the guy had a need. And quite often when we look at people, we, we, we look at people that only are lame at the gate. And we suppose they have a need, and they do. But we miss people that aren't laying at the gate, that also have need. And we miss them simply because of no conversation. <clears throat> One of the hardest conversations to get in with people is what? What we're talking about today. We'll call it religion. Is that okay? This is not religion. But people don't like the conversation of religion or politics. There's two things people, you know, when they tell you, when you get into a room, you can talk about anything but religion and politics. Why is that? Causes conflict? What else? Accountability? passion you ever met those people that are very passionate about their religion or their politics or very passionate there's nothing wrong with passion if it's controlled there's nothing wrong with it but if it's out of control it can get serious quickly the conversation about the lord a lot of times we feel like well i I don't know how you've have you ever felt this way i really don't know how to enter this conversation with them about the lord see that's not what peter and john did they're in one of the issues here. We don't feel like we have things to offer people because our approach is wrong. It's amazing when you have a conversation with people what you find out about them, isn't it? You know, I actually said something to them, and I actually listened to what they said, and so now we know something about one another that we didn't really know. This guy had no idea that Peter and John had no money. They, if would have, he would have never asked them for some, Right? He would ever ask for help if he didn't think. So he had no idea they didn't. That's why conversation is so important. And one of the things we're losing in America is conversation. We think when we're online, we think when we're texting, we think when we're on Facebook, we're having a conversation. You understand, none of those are conversations. Let's have a conversation on Facebook. That's not a conversation. It's not a conversation. Conversation is more than words. You ever had a conversation with somebody who was texting you, and they said one thing, and you thought they meant another by the words they said? 
because you can't, no voice inflection, no eyes, no body language. And so you get all mad when they were, they were really complimenting you and you get all mad because you thought, man, they were, I can't believe they just said that to me. Yeah, that never happened to you. It's happened to me. Because it's not really a conversation. A conversation has to be something that's personal. It has to be engaging. You, you can't engage. Oh, yeah, I can engage on Facebook. No. You know, there are really a lot of brave people on Facebook, I've noticed, and on, online. They're really brave. They'll tell you what they think because they're not in front of you. They're not in front of you. It's different when you stand face-to-face. And that's what we have in this situation here, people that are face-to-face. Let's keep in mind that Yvonne and I were talking about this a little bit before this lesson. There's a reason that this goes on and on and on, and we keep missing and missing and missing. It's because every generation fails to learn from the previous generation. There's nothing new under the sun. Yvonne said she was reading, I'm sorry, I don't want to embarrass you. She was reading Jeremiah. And when you start reading Jeremiah, you notice something very, very, very important. You see modern-day America in Jeremiah right off the bat. That's not a prophecy of modern-day America. That's God saying, you know what? Y'all haven't learned yet. For centuries now, you've done the same thing over and over and over. You haven't learned yet. There's nothing new under the And so we don't learn. There's a reason that we have what we see in the Scripture. It's to teach us that there is a, there is a way to, you know, well, you know, listen, they didn't roll up in their Mercedes, and they didn't have, you know, somebody open the door for them, and, you know, they didn't pull out their, their, their nice wallet they got from Italy out of their Gucci pocket, and, you know, they, you know, because that, that's kind of the way we live today, isn't it? Not me. I mean, I don't, I can't spell Gucci, so I, don't, I certainly don't buy it. But there are, there are simplicities in the word that are so astounding. They're so astounding that we haven't learned yet because it's too simple. And we can believe in the simplicity of just engaging conversation. Now, let, let's, look, let's go back to the scripture and look at this. A certain man lame from his mother's womb. This guy was crippled before he was ever born. He was crippled before he was ever born. So he automatically had something. So all of his life, this is all he has known. His mom and dad were taking care of him. At some point, he had to take care of himself because he was the one laying there. Nobody was up there was there with him helping him. He laid there daily. Every single day was at this gate asking of alms, help me. I need some help. Can you help me? Every single day. Can you imagine how discouraging that was? Have you ever had something that you're trying to get over and you just can't get over it? And at some point it gets discouraging to you? Like, I'm never going to get over this. Can you imagine how this guy felt? Because this guy is now a man. He's a man. He's been doing this for quite a long time. He saw Peter and John. I, I, I want to get. I want to. I want you to see something in this. There are people that need God and need God's touch that see you way before you see them. You see, well, often we're looking for them when they've already seen us. They're waiting on us to engage. They're, this guy was just waiting on Peter and John. To, this is not the first time these people have crossed paths. 
they're, they're, he's wanting an engagement here of some type. And so understand this. People around you, God preps people ahead of you so that when you come, there can be that engagement. No? See, I, I think a lot of our conversations don't happen because we don't think people are ready for conversation. When in fact they are. The people that have needs, the people that need the Lord, they're ready for a conversation. Do you know why drug addicts take drugs? Anybody? Why drug? Don't tell me because they're addicted. That's some of you are addicted to television. I mean, it's a void. Trying to fill a void. Okay. Why do drug addicts take drugs? Drugs talk back. He's he's right. Those of you that have never been there, you don't know, but I'm telling you, he's right. They, they have an answer. They have a conversation with you. You know why drug addicts take drugs? Anybody else? They have a need. They have a need. That's why people are... Uh, are become total alcoholics. That's why people in, go into this illicit stuff. They have a need that they're trying to fill. It's a void they're trying to fill. There's something already there. They're already looking for something or someone to fill it. That's why they're where they're at in their life. We have the thing that fills the need, right? Simple, simple. We have the thing that fills the need. So let's go back to conversation. Peter's fascinating. Now, this guy sees Peter and John first. So, so Peter gets the idea, you know, you walk through that crowd, you think somebody's staring at you? You ever been sitting at a restaurant and you feel like somebody's staring at you and you look over and somebody's just staring at you? No? I must have weird stuff happen to me that nobody does. Sometimes I get this weird feeling, I'm sitting to look over and somebody's staring at me. Like, you know, dude, get over it. So Peter gets this idea, somebody's staring at him because he fastens his eyes. He picks up on the fact that this guy is staring at him. He said, look on us. Look on us. Wait a minute. The guy is already looking on them. What was Peter and John saying here? The guy was already looking at them. What was, what was he really saying here? Look on us. Anybody have an idea what you think that might mean? There's no wrong answer here, don't Look in the eyes. Yeah, look. He had seen people all day, every day, all his life. And so he's just like this. Can you help me? Can you help me? Can you help me? He can't even look them in the face anymore. And there are people in our society today, they're, at, they're begging. They can't even look you in the face anymore. They're begging for help, but they can't. We, we, we cross those lives every day. There are people who can't. That's why he said, look, look, look at me. Look at me. You, you've lived this way all your life. Maybe you're ashamed of the way you are. Maybe you're tired of begging all your life. Look at me. Look at, look at me. Has anybody ever told you that? Because my mom used to say that. <laughs> yeah. Who did this? Mm-mm, I didn't. Look me in the eyes. And I never could look my mom in the eyes and lie. She knew it every time. What? Can y'all explain that, Mom? Maybe this is a later lesson. Can Mom, can y'all explain that? 
How do you know? And it's the strangest thing. I never could get away with that. She, she, she just had this deal. They're saying, look, look at us and look in my eyes. What is it? When you look in someone's eyes, what does, it, what does that start? A connection. It starts a relationship. It starts a conversation. When you connect with someone's eyes, you're already said something without ever saying something. You know, it's kind of like when, when you met your husband or your wife for the first time or you this girl or guy that you liked, and you were across the room and you gazed, and the first time you looked in each other's eyes, now, of course, you know, Janet hates for me to do that. She just don't do that. I looked in Janet's eyes to have a conversation. She looked in my eyes to get away. <laughs> so, but there was a conversation there. So <laughs> you understand. Y'all understand I enjoy embarrassing my wife, right? Because I can't do it at home. So I'll do it where I'm safe, church. Look at Look in my eyes. Look at me. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. So often we don't approach people because we don't feel like we have what they need. We don't feel like we have enough. Anybody here feel like you know enough of the Scripture that you can lead somebody to the Lord? No? (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. (laughs) You know enough of the Scripture that you could lead somebody to God. You could show them in Scripture how to get them into a relationship with God. Let's, you know, if not, then we, Bishop, maybe we need to put off a, <laughs> go back, <laughs> boot camp. <laughs> so, surely, I think all of us in here know, feel like we can take people through the Scripture. You see, a lot of times we feel like they're going to ask us something that's beyond what we know, right? You ever had that feel? They're going to ask me something about something I don't know. Guess what? Guess what the likelihood of that happening is? Never have. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. How do you, that, that's a scary thought, Bishop, because let me take it back to person-to-person relationship. If, you, if, if you've lived with your husband or wife for 20 years and you don't hardly know anything about them, what kind of a relationship is that? Y'all don't get sour on me. Let's, we're getting real here. It's not a very good one, is it? So how, how am I going to, oh, I'm going to know, I know a lot about God because every day God walks with me. That's he does, right? The question is not whether God walks with you. Yeah, if I'm walking with him, because there's it's a it's a two way deal. Scripture is what gives us the indication as to what relationship God wants to have with us. Scripture does not tell us who God is. Because God is so vast. Scripture tells us the relationship God wants to have with us. Now, we understand some things about God, but we really don't know who God is. 
because there's a vastness that we're all going to be shocked and surprised and awed. But the, the Scripture is a relationship book. It's given to us to manifest a relationship between God and us, us and God. And so if we know the Scripture, then we know more about the relationship. See, a lot of us really talk about how much we know who God is. Let me ask that question. Yeah. Who is God? Because <laughs> you're, you're going to give me only what you know as a human being. If you ask that question to a deer in the woods, who is God? You're not going to have that conversation. But understand this. They know who God is. In the creation that God's given them, they respond to God in that manner. A bird sings in response to God in that manner. God created them for that, and they fulfill that. That's their, the sad thing with humanity is we're the greatest creation that God has, and yet we don't fulfill that quite often. Go ahead, Bishop. Yeah. Of God. All about us. We've known of Him. We, we, and, and the of Him is the relationship thing. That's why, that, listen, that's why preachers always tell the congregation, study your Bible, learn your Scripture, read your Bible. It's not so that we can feel like, you know, we've really taught you something well. It's not that at all. It, you know, it's your relationship. The more that book you understand and know, the more relationship you have. <clears throat> every day God looks at us and says, look on me. Just as Peter said, look on us, God says, look on me. Why is he saying that? Because I've got something to give you, but you need to look on me. God, I, I love you today, and I, you know this is what I need. No, look on God. You know, how, how do you look on God? Your needs are met right here. Right here. There's not a need that you have that's not met right here in this book. To look on God is to look in this book. So understand that about relationship. Let's move, let's move ahead. Don't have any silver, don't have any gold, but such as I have, give I thee. So there's the next question. What did they have? What did Peter have? I know what some of you are about to blurt it out. Nobody's going to blurt it out. <laughs> huh? I'm sorry? Presence of God? Okay. The presence of God in his life. What, what else did he have? What did Peter and John have? They had the Holy Ghost. What did they have? Relationship. What did they have? Power. What did they have? We're giving all good answers and their right answers with their church answers. Say again? To his problem. They, they had the answer to his need. They had what he needed. He had no idea they had what he needed. He, had, he just knew he had a need and here was another passerby -er. So often, we walk into people's lives and we have exactly what they need. You know what the first thing this man needed? 
Yeah, this is going to blow you, all, blow you away. He didn't need to be healed. That wasn't the first thing he needed. He didn't need the Holy Ghost. That wasn't the first thing he needed. You know what the first thing he needed was? For somebody to love him enough to take what they had and give him. That's what he needed. And that's what people, that's what people receive from us. People aren't going to believe what you believe until they see that you really believe it. If you talk God is love, but then you're condemning, there's no response in that. So understand this. You, you have what you today have what people need. In every given situation, you can walk into a person's life and you have exactly what Peter and John had. You have exactly what that person needs. So recognize that when you're, God puts people into your life, He's put people into your life because they have a need and you have the answer to their need. Oh, they don't want to hear that. You know why drug addicts take drugs? They have a need. They're trying to fill it. They don't know how to do it yet. That's why people do the crazy things they do. They have a need they're trying to meet. They don't know. They've never met anybody that could provide them the actual answer. And we have it. And Peter and John recognize that. Listen, I don't have anything you're actually looking for, but I do have something you really need. You really need. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up. You know, Jesus made this statement. Somebody has a need. You go by and you say, you know, you're hungry and you have a need. Well, the Lord bless you. Go your way. You never feed them and never help them. There's no response on their end either. So he, he helps this guy. He, he gra- grabs his right hand. He grabbed me by the hand and he helped him up. Part of bringing people to God is helping them up. Part of helping them understand their need for God is helping them up. A lot of people don't understand their need for God. And you can help them to understand their need for God. Do you know why you're, you know, listen, dude, I was where you're at. I was doing what you did, but I don't have to do that anymore. Oh, you don't? Why do you not have to do it? If I'm I'm stuck on this, why why do you not have to? I'm glad you asked. Take my hand. And you can explain to them why you don't need to do that anymore. I'll tell you why I don't need to do that anymore. Then you can enter into that conversation because they have invited you into their conversation now. They have asked you that question. So it's, it's, it's not hard to witness to people. It's not hard to meet the needs of people. We're meeting them where they're at. So lifted him by the hand. Immediately, his feet and ankle bones received strength. Immediately. Now, this ought, to be ha- this ought to make all of us happy because we're an immediate culture. We're a microwave culture. We like immediate. We want things now. So there's something in Scripture that says immediately. Thank God for that. Not everything is a process. Immediately. This guy had never, ever had this feeling in his feet, ever. He didn't understand what it was. He had seen people walk. He'd seen people run. But he had never experienced it. Have you ever done something and experienced it for the first time after seeing other people do it? We all have, right? We all have. It's a new experience for you. 
It's a confidence builder for you. You ever, you ever watch little kids that are just learning to walk and are around each other? And one of them gets up and starts walking? Watch, the, watch what the others do. They start pick. you know, they, it's, it's an instinct. They did it, I can do it. And they do that thing and wobble and all this, but you know what they do it. This guy had seen this all. Now, all of a sudden, his, his ankles, he, 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 everything, and he, and he leaped up, he stood. This guy took in the whole thing. He leaps up. He don't take off running. He stood. You know, why do you think he stood? Maybe because this was his first time. This is what it feels like. This is what, man, look, this feels good. He stood. And a lot of times we want to take people from the depths of sin to the glories of God all in one movement. We have to understand they're coming from a place of hurt. They're coming from a place of maybe all their life they've felt the way they felt and have experienced the way they've experienced it. And you need to just let them stand. Let them stand. He stood. So he got that feeling. So he stood. After he stood, what did he do? He walked. This is what it feels like. This, I've never done this in my life. This is a grown man. Never done this in my life. You know, people come into God, a lot of times we think, you know, give them a couple of weeks or so, then they ought to be right with God. They ought to have all, they ought to understand all of Revelation, and they ought to be able to teach us, you know, all of the Scripture in the Old Testament. We push a lot of people, and we just need to let them stand. We need to let them walk. Let them have their experience. Let them have their experience. Not everybody has the same experience that you have, by the way. Not everybody experiences coming to God like you do. You have your own, they have their own, okay? So let them have their experience. All the while, what they're gaining here is confidence in the one. Because when they said, he grabbed his hand, he said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Wonder why he called out his, uh, his city. I mean, what? In the name of Don Biddick of Houston. Who cares what town you're from? wonder if this guy had an inkling of who Jesus Christ of Nazareth was. wonder if he had heard. wonder if the scuttle around the temple was, hey, man, have y'all heard about this guy? He's doing miracles. He's, man, his, his could be Messiah. Well, I don't know about that. You know, he, he's got these strange followers and all this stuff. Yeah, but you know what? I saw him. He put mud on a guy's eyes, and the guy washed him off, and he was blind, and now he sees. I wonder if that guy heard these kind of conversations. It would amaze you how many people that you come in contact with that have already heard they're just waiting for somebody to reach, especially here in the Bible Belt. How many people you come in contact with already know what you're about to give them? They've already heard of Jesus Christ and what he can do. It's amazing. So he walked and leaping. You know what I'm convinced of? I'm convinced that I need to stand in the back. And when you all enter the church, I need to take a bat and break your ankles. So that God can heal you so that you can leap in the church. Y'all know I'm being facetious, right? You understand God touched him and there was a response. There was a response. People, when God touches people, they're going to respond. They can't help it. There's a newness. I wonder if Peter and John ever went into the temple leaping and walking and praising God. It doesn't tell us. It doesn't say, 
But I wonder if they ever, I'm going to guess after this incident, as this guy was leaping and walking and jumping, can I give you first Don 7 and 5? I think as he was leaping, they were kind of leaping and jumping behind him like, yeah. I think they were as excited as he was. Because what they had done was given him what he needed, which was Jesus Christ. And all the people saw walking and praising, saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he, they knew this was one of the funniest things when I went back to a reunion, class reunion was as I was talking to people and I told them that I was a preacher. Weren't you the one that Wait, 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 wait. This is this, something's wrong here. You are the, we remember who you, sure, people at Gauders remember who you were. They're going to always remember who you were. That's not a bad thing. Because when they see what Jesus has done in your life, then they become amazed. And they see what's, and when they see what's happened. And they, and they knew that it was him that sat at the gate of the temple. They were filled with wonder and amazement. Some of us would really like that, wouldn't we? For somebody to have wonder and amazement over us? No? You really should. There should be people in your life that have wonder and amazement at what God has done in your life. I don't care if you grew up under the pew. People need to see you and know that, hey, you know what? This person, I knew that. This person is different. That's amazing. Amazing. Wonderful. They were happy for him. They were in wonder and amazement. Wonderful. They were happy for him. But as the layman which was healed, as the layman which was healed held Peter and John, if you look at verse 11, this is, they, they held, they picked him up and held him and got him up, right? Now let's look at verse 11. And as the layman which was healed, held Peter and John. You get what happened here. This was the start of a beautiful relationship between somebody that didn't have what they needed and somebody that had what they needed, and they got together. Started a beautiful relationship. You know, I've had people tell me, you know, I just don't have friends. There's not, not a lot of people. Be, you know what? You, you want to make some friends? Look for some people in need and meet their need. Oh, well, they just want me for what? No, 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 no. You misunderstand what I'm saying. Find people in need and meet their need. When you meet their need, you're going to introduce them to somebody that they don't know. Well, they were raised up in church all their life. That doesn't mean they knew anybody. They're going to meet somebody that changes their life. Now, this guy is holding Peter and John. You know how I see it? He's got his arms slipped up, but not, not, you know, we have the buddy hug. You know what the buddy hug is? You stand beside, and, and th- th- then there's the fellowship hug. You know what the fellowship hug is? When you reach your arm underneath a person's arm like this and hold them, that's called a fellowship hug, a fellowship embrace. You're embracing a person. You're embracing and holding them. And I get this picture that as they're standing there, here is this guy, and he's got them in the fellowship hug. He's holding them. You know why the fellowship hug's important? It's easy to slip out of the friendship hug. It's hard to slip out of the fellowship hug. Somebody's got a hold of you. 
That's why God wants you to fellowship, and that's why God wants you to find those people. And Because what's going to happen is they're going to fellowship hug you. It's going to be hard for you to get away from them. That's, a, that's an important thing. Because now you can embrace them, and you can teach them more about the Lord, and you can show them more about the grace of God, all those things. Let's finish verse 11. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's Great Lake. Boy, they have all kind of porches and gates, and all, don't they? And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, You men of Israel, why, why are you marveling at this? Why does this amaze you? Why do you look earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham. Here we go. He wasn't the God of Shinar. He wasn't the God of this. He, was, he wasn't the God of a place. He was the God of a person. God is not the God of any place. He's the God of a person. The God of Abraham, of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son, Jesus Christ, whom ye delivered up and denied. Boy, here we go. You see what happened here? <laughs> Man, Peter's slick. i, I got to give it to him. He's slick. He goes from this, this man is healed and this man is jumping and praising and they're all happy and excited and marvel and amazed and they've got the uh, embracement going on and, and all this stuff. And, and, and Peter goes, you know, why are y'all, what is, you know, the God of your fathers has glorified Jesus Christ. And so let me just take you on into Jesus Christ. And he takes them right on into Jesus Christ. He walks them right on. All by meeting the need of a man. Quite often we as Christians just don't realize we've got what it takes. It's in us. Let's, let's use it. Let's, let's take that opportunity. Are you afraid you might get somebody that has the fellowship hug? Is that I remember, Jana will remember this, at uh, Spring Tabernacle when we were the youth pastors there, there was, a, there was a, some twins that came in, twin brothers. They came into church, and so uh, they came in, were baptized, and, they, and so their older brother, who had a girlfriend, came in. And so uh, it seemed like every time I turned around, they wanted to sit down and just ask questions. I couldn't get away from them. Remember how? You don't remember them? They just... You know, they had this fellowship hug after church, after Sunday night church, after thir Thursday night. All they wanted to do was, hey, we got a few questions to ask. And it's like, man, dude, you know, I, I got to go to work tomorrow. That's really what it's all about. That's really why we're doing this. You need to have a bunch of people around you that won't fellowship hug so that you can teach them. Well, I don't know. I know enough to lead them, but I don't know enough to teach them. Oh, well, you're at the right place. You're at the right place. Again, we taught Bible studies on Bible studies. We did that fairly early coming into the church. You know how much I knew about, can I use this word, Pentecost? You know how much I knew about Pentecost? I'll, I'll tell you. No, I did know a little bit. I knew that what they did was of the devil. <laughs> that's, that's what my parents taught me. That's what I knew about Pentecost, the experience that happened at Pentecost. That was of the devil. The things that, that was, yeah, that's a dangerous place to be. But here's something we found out. As we were teaching Bible studies, and I'm not, y'all do what you, as we were teaching Bible studies, you know, it's amazing how much when you study to teach somebody what you learn. 
and you learn in excess way over what you're going to teach. And when you're teaching something, in the middle of it, something comes up, and you speak something that you don't really understand what you're speaking, but you speak the words to them, and the answer's there, and, and so you're driving home, and you're kind of laughing about, did you believe that we said that? When you plant yourself in God's Word, it is amazing what God will do. It's amazing what God, because silver and gold you may not have, but what you do have, you can give away. So I encourage you today, listen, that's, that's what the church is about, reaching, reaching the lost, reaching the lost. We can never lose that dynamic in the church. We can never, if we lose worship, if we lose praise, if we lose Sunday school, if we lose preaching, we can never lose seeking and saving that which is lost. We can never lose the Great Commission. That, that, that's what Jesus gave us, the Great Commission can never lose that. So I'm just going to invite you to do something this week. Find somebody that's in a need and simply meet that need and watch what happens. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather. And you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.